Hello and welcome to this board game life episode number three, titled Principado, Santiago de Cuba, and Dungeon Run. Uh, my name is Rob, and with me today I got my good buddy Jeff. Hello everyone. Hey there, hey there. We got a uh, fun and exciting show for you guys here today. Uh, we're going to be talking about Principado, Santiago de Cuba, and Dungeon Run, of course, as by the title over there. And uh, let's get rolling. We've got a couple announcements that we want to make, uh, starting with this show here. Hey, Jeff, you want to take those on? Sure. Well, uh, first thing, just to let everyone know, we do have the Board Game Geek Guild up. Uh, so if All you right. go over to Board Game Geek and uh, click on This Board Game Life uh, under the Guild section, then you'll see uh, you can join as a member there, which we would appreciate. And uh, just another place to, to post feedback or comments, questions for the show. Uh, we also have an updated website, www.thisboardgamelife.com. Three W's and, in there. Not, not that I'm counting. <laughs> yeah, usually <laughs> usually works better if you put three. Yeah. Uh, we've got a, a voicemail set up, too, which I think is really cool. Another good way to uh, leave us your thoughts on a game or comments on the show, any r- little rant you want to want to submit, just to keep it to, uh, well, preferably not a half an hour long rant. Uh, <laughs> Maybe. That, that, we'll reserve that for Rob and myself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and the number for that is 754-444-TBGL, which turns out to be 8245. That's 754 8245. Eight, yep. And then we'll we'll put you on the show. And uh, you can also send us an MP3. You know, if you're in Europe or somewhere and you don't want to call the number, uh, just record yourself as an MP3. Send that to us. Or uh, you can also email us at contact at thisboardgamelife.com. Excellent. So the, the other announcement we have is from our last episode, episode two, which we had entitled An Iron Sky. Uh, we had a little... Well, I guess you would call it a little debate about one of the actors in that movie. Uh, there's a, a board game based on that movie, but uh, I did look it up, and Udo Kier, I'm probably saying that wrong, of course, but he's a German actor. And this was actually right on the website. It says he's known for his work in horror movies such as Blade and Shadow of the Vampire, mm-hmm. and many may also remember him as Yuri in the Red Alert games. Uh, right? And he was also in the Grindhouse segment, Werewolf Women of the SS, but... The debate was about whether or not he was Yuri in Red Alert. <laughs> and he was. So, yes, he was. And okay, awesome. awesome. I, look, I look forward to that. All right. So let's go on to uh, what we've been playing recently. Jeff, uh, you want to run with that first? Yeah. Okay. So I got a, a couple things. Uh, we'll do a couple quick comments before I talk about the games uh, You know, we've actually titled the show about. Uh, I got another play of Kingdom Builder in. And uh, a couple things that uh, came up with that. I mean, the first one is this was another person's copy, and they also had an incorrect cube count. Uh, so anyone that had listened to a pr- the previous show might have ne- heard that I had been missing nine cubes, nine of the uh, the, the naked ones, as, as they're called. Uh, naked? Naked, yeah. <laughs> which, which is kind of like the most extreme amount I've ever been missing from any game. Oh, wow. Uh, but I was playing um, this other copy, and they'd actually, I think they had one extra, I want to say it was one extra, 
but it was off by one in any case. And it was kind of just a joke. I was like, hey, did you count the cubes? You know, because it really matters for that game. That's the, the end game trigger. Oh, yeah. And so, and we were just doing a two player. So I counted mine and then I counted his and I'm like, well, yeah, they're off. So uh, maybe a warning then to uh, any listeners uh, with Kingdom Builder. Eh, check your cubes. Actually, you know, as- I, I think I might actually do that. Uh- because I, I I don't know I just assume that they're yeah. right. Well, you know? you know if you're not, you know, OCD about that stuff. I mean, for a lot of games, it doesn't really matter, right? You got one, too many, too few, whatever. But just because of the the trigger, yeah. Ticket to Ride is similar. It's you really should count your trains, and um, you know, a couple of those I think they even give you extra ones, so it's almost meant that you count them out. Right. So that was that was the first thing I kind of noticed. I was like, hmm, that's 2-0 and o on that. Messed up cube counts. Uh, but then the other thing that happened was this was a particularly bland selection of victory points, uh, cards, and, uh, and, and tile abilities. Um, so playing through this was sort of the first time, and I've played it quite a bit, you know, I don't know how many times, but more than most of the more recent games, just because of how quick it plays. And, and this was the, the blandest play I've had yet, where I was like, oh, you know, there, there wasn't much interesting to the decisions and choices, and there was more more of the one obvious card that was better. So, so it was the first time I actually saw what some of the the negative, you know, reviews and, and comments. What they what they meant, even even though pretty much for every other game I've played, that's just I've been able to find more depth. Um, you know, not to say it's a real deep experience, but uh, I've I've found more interest than I think um, at least the naysayers had. And you know, along those same lines, I thought the the game that it then most reminds me of in that sort of way is uh, um, the thing that's most commonly said about Battleship Galaxies, and in and. What's said about Battleship Galaxies a lot is it's this great, you know, start for a, a system, right? Mechanically, you know, all the all the all the right things are there, but it really needs an expansion to um, to build on that, right? Take it just a little bit deeper, okay. uh, you know, take it in some other directions. And that's that's where I think I am with the Kingdom Builder. I mean, I think if I were to play it a dozen more times, I'd, I'd, I'd certainly be sort of played out on it, but with this new expansion coming out, and I'm sure quite a few after that, if it's the right type of expansion, and there's really the, you know they add a little depth, they add some more interest. There's some interactions that work well together. I really think this could be a great line of games. It's kind of I don't say unique to a point, but it's it seems like it's got a lot to it. You know what I mean? Where it's got the strategy, the variety. It's sort of like a gateway game. It's light. It's quick. You know, it, it's it's got a lot of appeal to it. Yeah, I, I'm still a fan. I just this was the first time I had the bland the blander play. Yeah, and you know, I kind of you know, it, it, it happens in Dominion too, right? Where you, if you're randomly picking cards. You know the the magic between them is is just not quite as as good as some other ones, and then so you right. you sort of over time, uh, and and I guess there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, as you build experience in the game, you kind of see these three, and you're like, ah, that's not going to be a fun one, so we're going to pitch pitch them all and draw again or something. I tend to just not like 
doing that as much. I'm not the house rule kind of guy, and not that that's really a house rule, but I prefer when games are more naturally perfect with with stuff like that. But right. but I guess you could argue, you know, at least we don't have pre-prescribed scenarios where they lay out, you know, okay, this combination is game one and this combination is game two. Or recommend, you know, maybe that's what they need is some recommended, uh, like they had for Dominion, right? If you really want an interesting game, play with these. If you want a very simple introductory one, play with these, right? If you want one with lots of uh, interaction, play with these. You know, that would kind of be neat. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, so I got to play Kingdom Builder in. Quarriers is another one where. Uh, I haven't played that in just the longest time. Right, yeah, me either. And it, it actually, I realized I hadn't played it since around when it had first come out. When I, like everyone, I think I'd played it quite a bit. And it, it again, uh, in a sort of a kingdom builder sort of way, it was maybe the blandest play I've had of that, <laughs> where, you know, we just had some of the goofier cards. Uh, you know, one of the promos I think that was, you know, more overpowered than the others and. Um, you know, really random die rolls on this one where, uh, you know, I just was like never rolling anything but, uh, but the money and I still like the game, but it was just kind of, kind of odd. I'd have two, <laughs> two games like that where I actually normally would say, Hey, these yeah. are cool games. And then I have bland plays of both of them sort of back to back. You know, one thing, uh, this reminds me of real quick is that I had a discussion not too long ago about the variation in some games where you get some games, you know, where it's just so much fun, it's happening, and then you play the same game again and it's kind of dull. Well, yeah. don't you need that as a balance though? I mean, you gotta, you know, if you have the ones that aren't quite, you know, they're they're kind of dragging a little bit. That makes the other ones stand out so much more. It, it does, yeah, and and that's why I'm I'm pretty forgiving on on what otherwise are you know fun games for that, right? Mm-hmm. It, I think this was another one too, where whoever was winning was just sort of running away with it. And, oh yeah, you know, and, and you're rolling bad, and you're like, oh, I mean, come on, and you know, they they got two or three of this great, better, overpowered one, and uh, yeah, that's going to happen some, but but then there's those other ones where everything's kind of going your way but yet you're yep. neck and neck or in uh, you know sure it was a great die roll but you know it came in a time where it just just made for that perfect game sure yep. so uh, you know a game a game that uh, you warned me not to play keep it in shrink i've had it in shrink for a while uh quirkle yeah, yeah finally uh because I didn't want to pull out Quarriors again and, and, and yeah. play that as a the end of night filler when I was doing a, a, a night of board gaming with my wife, uh, I was like, ah, you know, I know the rules to Quirkle are pretty easy. Let's let's, you know, break that out of the shrink. I'll She'd probably like it. Yeah. Well, no. So here's what I was going to say. Really? Is I, I yeah. think I. She did like it, but mm-hmm. but you were implying I wasn't going to like it. Uh-oh. I did like it. I did like it. Now I don't think I'm gonna like this if I have to play it a hundred times or even ten. We've played it only twice now. Okay. But I, you know, since I don't have a lot of abstract games, 
you know, it was it was fun. I, I don't like I really don't like Scrabble much. I don't like most word games. Right. But you know, even though this is similar with the colors and the and the tiles and the way you line them up, the shapes that is, mm-hmm. uh, I didn't really it didn't really feel like much like Scrabble to me. So all the things I dislike about Scrabble didn't really apply. This is the the thing that I always struggle with Scrabble, not struggle, I guess. The thing that I don't really like is having to figure out the words. And, yeah, and that and Quirkle totally removes all of that because you well, know. Well, yeah, and you also don't have like the double score space where you're trying to do the gamey thing where right. you know. Uh, in true Scrabble masters, understand how to leverage all that stuff perfectly, and you know, I, I just don't have enough interest to get to that point. But Quirkle still has enough additions where. You know, if you can lay a, a row alongside another one, and then you're you're scoring the row plus all the little individual rows, right? Um, there's a whole thing where if you have, is it six or seven? Seven, six, 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 right? If you have all six, that's a quirkle. So you're trying not to lay five down and make it real easy for your opponent, but yet sometimes you might want to just, you know, either to clear your hand a little more, or maybe because that allows you to score another combination. Mm-hmm. That makes the risk good enough. So, um, and 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 then there's the fact that in my first game I scored four quirkles in a row. So, well, look at you. Yeah, I don't. I don't. You know, it probably always helps if you if you win your first game. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll see how what you think of it after like six plays. I know. After six know. more plays. Yeah. You know, I did want to say though, you had mentioned we had talk, been talking about it with the color blindness. Yeah. There is a definite problem with Quirkle. Uh, I, with the and I have four lights overhead on the table. I it was very difficult with the red and the orange. Oh, okay. Uh, standing up the uh, the blocks, right, mm-hmm. and facing me, so the light wasn't directly on them. Right. Uh, I basically had to turn them a little bit to see, you know, for sure. And maybe it's my copy because uh, you know when it, when it, yeah I don't know when I look at the side of the box it's like the orange stands out from the red pretty well it's this real bright orange not so much on on mine yeah um, they're pretty close I mean they're definitely closer than they should be because I'm red and green colorblind and I have problems even with the blue and the purple that and, yeah which that is I unusual a, for yeah me. I didn't have trouble with anything but the oranges and reds uh, kind of kind of again in the same way that airlines Europe you know it's if you got a spotlight on it, it's not a problem, but that they're a little closer than they really should be. So that was Quirkle. So yeah, that's a, I guess a thumbs up. It was, I, I didn't expect much, but Yeesh. it's, you know, yeah, not a game I'm going to pull, <laughs> pull out to play every time, but you know, if we play it here yeah. or there, uh, the only, the, I guess the one thing I didn't like about it, which is a weird comment I think to make is it seemed a little long. You know, there's a lot of tiles in that bag. Yeah, it overstays its welcome. Yeah, well, I mean, it, 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 you know, the one thing playing my wife is she's similar to me. We don't, we're not analysis paralysis people, right? Okay. We kind of just go with it. Um, you know, and I'll think sometimes, and not to say I don't think, right? But it, I don't overthink it. I don't look at in a chess sort of way every possible play I could do. I mean, if I find a a quirkle, I'm happy, right? I don't, mm-hmm. don't necessarily have to, okay, well, if I play a different one or save up, can I play three here and double my score there? And, um, you know, although I found, I did, I'm, I think, I feel like I did pretty well for a first game or two. 
but even with playing faster, it was, you know, there's just lots and lots of tiles in that bag. So, Oh, yeah. Never ending. Another game, another uh, game that we got played again, which I think we talked about in our first episode, Walnut Grove. Yep. I think then I'd even said it was my my comments then were more of a first impression. Uh, now I've played it. We've played it. Oh, you know, it's got to be at least four or five times. And, and I would say it's definitely a keeper for us. Player interaction, you know, maybe isn't exactly what it could be. But it's really the fact that it's, it's, it's just so quick to play. I mean, now that we know it well, we're wrapping up games in half an hour or something like that. I mean, it's, and, it's an interesting game. Yeah, there is just for tile laying. I mean, it, play, yeah. it honestly plays faster than Carcassonne, you know, at least with the couple expansions added in. So yeah. the interesting thing to think about is, you know, is Walnut Grove a game I'm going to be playing in three more years? Or is, at some point it gets pitched out of the collection for something better? I think it's possible. Uh, I don't I don't have enough lighter tile games that have made the cut in the past, so uh, especially one that's sort of the worker placement slash you know, tile game. So it, it's sort of for that because of the speed of play and the fact that it plays two well enough. I mean, it plays one, it plays two, and then you can play even more. You know, I think that's why it's a keeper. Right. All right, then. So then another game, Principato. Now you've, you've got that one too, right? Yes, sir. Okay. So that's a, a Z-Man game and I, awful with pronunciating names, but Toku, I think it's Tuko Takekalio, something like that. And there you go. I'm doing that purely off memory, so if I got that right, <laughs> I will be amazed. Right. So, in other words, he's the one that did Walnut Grove that we were, we were just talking about, and uh, also Eclipse. Yep. Are, are these his only games so far? I want to say yes, because uh, okay. I, I think I looked specifically for his games at one point, um, primarily because of Eclipse. Right. And it was not really the reason I picked up Principato, but, you know, it, it was kind of nice after the fact to find out that he had something to do with it. But this is, it's, it's a little game put out by Z-Man Games, and what you've got is there's a board in front of each player with uh, spaces on it. It basically looks like a little castle, and you've got spaces in the front for fields and farms and uh, spaces within it for what they call palazzis and banks. And basically what this means is the fields and farms are green cubes and the banks and palazzis are, are yellow cubes. But in any case, basically one of these one of the sides produces, one of the side consumes. So the side that produces produces one. Uh, well, not really consume. It's more like store, right? So the fields produce one, the farm store two, similarly with the palazzis and the banks. Uh, and then the only other cube is a wild cube these happen to be purple and you, you can store three of these at the church so you know not not as many cubes as in some games but you know perhaps enough then the other main piece in the game are the military pieces this is pretty much what was interesting to me i, I usually a sucker for the military themed games there aren't enough euros that are military themed um so you've got militia uh, catapults little cavalry condoitier uh, type units. And, and basically the militia eat the food, which are the green cubes. You know, the other one eat the money, which are the yellow cubes, and catapults are free once they're bought. Um, so those are the, you know, I should have said those are the consumes, right? So you've got 
the fields produce, the farms store, and then the militias consume, similar with the yellow, and purples are uh, wilds again. And then beyond that, basically there's some culture tokens that you can trade up for. They're three to eight, and you know there's some bonus cards that give you points if you have pairs and, and things like that. Uh, basically, there's going to be two gold cards. One of them might give you points for catapults. You know, the other one, you know, might give you um, points for these pairs. And uh, other than that, really, you just have cards. That's the main mechanic of the game. Really, what makes it interesting. On your turn, you have two actions that you can take, and the actions that you take are the cards that you have. So, and you're only going to have two cards. So a lot of these games where you know you have five cards or six cards and you're playing out of your hand, not the case here. Uh, the two cards that are in your hand are the two actions that you have to take. Where the game gets interesting is when you take that action. Have, you know I don't know what the ratio is, but some of the cards you can freely swap for five. I think it's yeah, it's five that are laid out in the center row. Um, so you take that action, then you swap it for one of the five in the center row. Uh, other cards aren't swappable. There's a different icon on them. So you take that action, you keep the card, and you can use that card again next turn, or you take a different action that lets you swap the card and, and nothing else. Um, and, and so really, that's there's only three actions you can even take in the game. You're either playing the card you have, swapping the card for a different one, or you take one of those favor cubes, those wild cubes. And... Uh, that's actually something I didn't like about the game because while the fact that playing the cards is the interesting part, the sort of maybe the newer mechanic that, that at least I haven't seen before, taking the favor seemed more like what happens when the cards don't go your way. And you'd otherwise basically pass because either you can't execute the cards you have or you know maybe there's nothing that you need or want out of the five that were drawn. So you go, okay, I'll just take a favor cube and and you could do that until you had three of them and then scoring in this game works where there's three rounds you score at the end of those three rounds plus a random time that you draw in the second and third deck there's basically three three decks one for each round so in deck two and three you'll draw a random card at one point that says score you'll score right then and you'll score at the end that part's never a good thing for me unless there's a real good reason to do that, and I don't know that there is here. Because, for instance, like in one of our games, we actually drew that card as the first card, so <laughs> you know, you had two back-to-back scores. But getting into, I guess, what I think about the game, I would say for pros, you know, the military theme, even though it's a little paper-thin, pasted on, I mean, you do have catapults on the wall and militia... That's kind of neat for me, or at least I'm pr- more prone to liking games like that as opposed to shipping in the Mediterranean or something. Okay. <laughs> you know, uh, I might share something in common with some some other unknown gamer there. But yeah, I'm, a, I'm partial to the military theme, so that's a pro for this. I, I like that. That attracts me to the game. I like the two-hand or the two-card hand that you have. That's sort of fresh for me, the swapping... What's what's neat about it, too, is uh, of the five cards at the end of your turn, the first one is discarded and a new one is drawn to that set of five. So you could – it adds some strategy, in, and I've only played this as a two-player game. I think it 
plays up to four. In any case, uh, at least in the two-player game, you know you know that your opponent uh, might need a card, so you just swap for that card to take it away from them. Or you a card that they might need that you're putting back, you put back as that first card, and then therefore it's discarded before they can use it. Um, so it actually, for that reason, worked better as a two-player game, I think, than if you were to play with more. It seems like that part would be a lot more random, and it would be hard to control denying somebody uh, something. And the other thing that's, that's sort of neat in the game is when you take an action to take Militia or, uh, or the yellow cube equivalent, you can actually take as many as you want. So there's maybe something like 15 or maybe even 20 of these little circles around the castle walls. And if, if you want to, you could take 12 Militia, put them all up on the wall. The difference is when you're evaluating the strength of your fortress as it is, if you can't feed all of them, you score negative points. So you can go ahead and take 12 if you're going to produce 12 cubes and be able to store 12 cubes so that when it comes around to battle time, if they have food, you count them as positives. Anybody who doesn't have food is a negative. Um, so that was kind of neat, as opposed to, okay, I've got a card, I'm going to take one militia, I'm going to take two militia. It's really, you know, as many as you think your engine is capable of. Uh, and, and that's probably leading into the things I didn't like about the game. So the, the first thing is really that that whole military thing doesn't actually work all that well. <laughs> so the, the first problem, and this was maybe a problem in the two-player game, is it doesn't say anywhere that if you, if you know that you're not going to win, since there's no dice roll in the combat, you're basically just adding up these points. Okay, I've got you know one for every green and yellow guy that I can feed, and then one for the... Uh, the catapults, if I know, and and basically the person who has the highest score then gets the most amount of points, and then the person who has the second highest gets the second most points, and so forth. Uh, but if I know that I'm not going to score high or win, then there's really no point to even you know, using up the cubes and, and competing. Um, and it never really says that you have to, so that's kind of weird for me. Uh, and it was only worth it wasn't worth all that many points when it when it came right down to it too for being somewhat of a main mechanic in the game. Uh, and then the other thing that didn't work so well for me is there's plenty of things that you want to do in a game, and, and most Euro games are like that, right? Where there should be lots of things you want to do, but you really have these tense decisions: which one do I want to do? Uh, and I felt was too often coming down to which one can I do because that's how the cards, you know, that's what the cards allowed me to do. That's, you know, I only, of the five things I need to do, there's only cards for one of them. So that's what I'm doing. And, and again, I thought, you know, that is only going to be worse with more players because there it does start to remove that denial strategy and, and things like that. But you want to know the, the thing that really bugs me about the game? What's that? It's a pet peeve of mine. <laughs> okay. You'll start keeping track of these. Yes. The thing that bugs me, none of that other stuff, you know, there's some pros, there's some cons, but the thing that bugs me about the game is the board is completely worthless. It's a complete, it, it doesn't, you don't, don't even really need it. Uh, the, the entire board, all it really is is a place to place these green squares and yellow squares that you then put the cubes on. It doesn't matter where you place one. Uh, all these little you know, squares are, are drawn out on the board, but it doesn't really matter which one you use. 
doesn't matter where on the wall you place a unit, they're all the same. So there's just a bunch of green squares for green stuff, yellow squares for yellow stuff. Uh, I think they're red circles for the military units, and then the little square where you place your wild um, cubes. Uh, you know, and then there's a place to store the victory point stuff. But right. you could just as easily do that in front of you behind a player screen, or in this case, since it's open information and in, you know in front of one. So, I, to me, that feels a little underdeveloped. You know, like it's really it's a card game or a tile game, but it's masquerading as a board game because you have this board. But what value does the board add? That's not a good thing for me. But really, I guess what what it comes down to, I've gotten rid of better games <laughs> than this one. And that's that's my problem. Uh, you know, I, when when I start thinking about should I keep it, should I get rid of it? And you know, the ones that come to mind are maybe like Glenn Moore, which actually has a spatial element to where the tiles are placed in relationship to one another because of the way the activation works. Even the board where you just kind of go around and pick up tiles, I mean, it still serves sort of that purpose. You know, Hansa Teutonica from a cube pusher sort of point of view, I mean, I got rid of that game, but, you know, there's, again, something going on with the board. There's uh, more strategy, I think, to it, more uh, tense decisions. Principato for me is is sort of the definition of bland, pasted on cube pusher. My wife didn't like it. That never helps. You know, actually she she made what I thought at first was an odd comparison, but she actually compared it to Ninjato in terms of as a, as Ninjato being a game she really likes, where uh, you know where there's resources in the game, there's tense decisions between you want to do five things, but you can only do one, you know, and it also happens to be by Z-Man. So, <laughs> so that's, that's sort of, I guess, to, to sum that one up, you know, if you, if you like the designer, get Eclipse, right. Or even Walnut Grove. If you're looking for a Z-Man game, go with Ninjato. Uh, that comes highly recommended by, I like it. My wife likes it. Well, I'll talk about that one more in depth. One of these shows. Principato. I think it's worth trying that's a really neat mechanic with the two card thing, but to me that's about all there was to it. And and of course, like any new mechanic, you know, a couple plays into it, there's not really anything more to explore. So it's it's good for a couple plays, and then kind of fell flat for me after that. Okay. Speaking of cube pushers, though, <laughs> okay. another game I've played quite a bit. So Principato, I've played a bit. But Santiago de Cuba, which is the next one I want to talk about, I've actually played this one now, oh, you know, seven, eight times even. You know, might even be more than that because you can play this one on, on Yucata, so that's up to my plays, uh, as well as I own the physical copy, and I've played it that way as well. And this is a cube pusher that I very much enjoy and I think does everything right. You know, again... Maybe maybe oddly, I've I want to say if I've played it more than two player, I've only played it once more than two player. Because um, even online, it's this this is just a game that sort of lends itself to two player play. Uh, I think it'd be okay with three. You know, beyond that, you start to get more of that chaos element, right? Okay. Um, have you played this one, Rob? Yes. And what what was your initial thoughts on it? Um, I, I really like the game. Uh, I actually like it quite a bit. I'm a big fan of Havana, 
I don't right. know if you've ever played that one. Yeah, it's... I've got. I, I actually have Havana and Cuba both in my collection. Okay. Uh, and you know, Cuba. Uh, you know, one point actually replaced Puerto Rico for me. Okay. And then you know, some others. A lot of others I play with, in fact, have some things they don't like about Cuba. So I picked up the expansion, and it was one of those I really not gotten back to it. And I've heard the expansion helps with certain things and adds some stuff. But if I've ever if if I've even played the expansion, I'd have to check because it, it's probably only been one time. Havana, I've played, uh, you know, quite a bit. We liked that one. Both of those have made numerous cuts, and they've remained in my collection. So I, I had every reason not to like Santiago de Cuba. You know, I was like, okay, I don't really have room for the third game on right. this, the same art and you know, basic theme and all of that. There's no way I'm going to like it. Also. Or if I do, one of these other ones are going to have to go, and that wasn't really the experience I had with it, right? So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, as, as far as a game goes, it's uh, Santiago de Cuba. You know, it's got the artwork that uh, goes across Havana and Cuba, so if you like the artwork of either of those two games, it's along the same lines. It's very colorful. The the, the board is nice. Uh, the components are pretty nice. Uh, and the thing that really surprised me was... I got my wife to play it, and she really liked Havana. That was one of her first, um, uh, should I put it, more like Euro-y games that she ever got into, and her response was, I really like this game. And that was also her response for Santiago de Cuba also. And uh, the game is pretty fun. It's got a lot of options if you've uh, ever taken a look at the board, it's got uh, a circular track that you follow on a car, and you get some resources, you know, essentially uh, from certain people along the track, and then you use them to, let's say, like, it's essentially your goods are kind of like money, and you eventually unload them onto a ship, and it sails off. Right, but see that that is actually what I what I really love about the game and the way that it's designed because while there's a lot of of these tiles that do different things, right. when when you um, you really don't have all of them to choose from, so it's it's not right. like uh, you're limited. You know, you have to 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 choose from thirty, and this analysis process sets in. Right, um, you know, you really wherever the vehicle is, you're going to move to the next one for free, and then Probably. you have to pay. Yeah, you know, you're gonna you're gonna typically want to move to the next one, and then you're only gonna pay money if you really don't want to, and even then you're gonna want to try to pay one, maybe two in an extreme case. So you're really looking at the next one or two tiles, and if and then what'll happen is each one of those has a primary action on the left, which is you know you get two white cubes or you know maybe two victory points, or there's a one or two that are more involved than that. Uh, but then the right side is basically has a, a flower, which corresponds to one of four colors, of which then there's three tiles to select from. So that's really then what you're thinking within is this left action and then these three possible actions on the right. Right. And, yeah, a lot of it's around trading cubes and such, but it, especially with two-player, you know, and, and one of the things I learned playing online and, and I actually learned this I think I'd already played maybe four games and I never had run out of money and I played somebody who was obviously well maybe they were better than me anyway I ran out of money and they really punished me for that they they would move well first of all there's one that lets you close a, a Cuban as they're called 
Oh, and yeah. they, they move over. there and then close the next one. And so since I had no money, I have to move to the one that's closed and do nothing. Yep. Yeah, how much does that suck? And then they would move to another one such that they knew that the next one, you know, I basically couldn't do anything with it, you know, for lack of, of that. Or, you know, they just really, um, you know, uh, took advantage of that mistake that I made. And so, and so it was difficult to get back going. You know, there's also the fact that the the brilliant part of the game, you know, the, the rest of this, the setup, that's maybe just, we'll call it good game design. You can tell that maybe the, the designer has experience, right? It's done well, but let's say there's nothing great. But the thing, the, the real tense one that I really like is you roll dice here, you know, five dice that correspond to the five goods. Right. Uh you know, one of them's pitched out, and you get to pick that one based on, you know, sort of where you're at. And then they, those are the goods that the ship demands. And uh, the first go around the board, you get two victory points for each of those that you deliver. And whatever isn't satisfied the first time becomes three victory points the next go around, and then four victory points. And, and then eventually they're sort of discarded. But manipulating that, there's so many different ways to manipulate those, those dice you can, for instance, uh, flip one to zero, right? So if, if you're going all for black, you see your opponent doing that, again, especially in a two-player game, then you just go right and, and, and flip the demand for that one to zero to sort of punish him for not diversifying a little bit, right? Yep. Uh, similarly, if I've got everything and my opponent has, like, nothing, you can skip right past the wharf. And even though you're pushing yes. up the value... I, you know, here I am all ready to deliver, and uh, I don't get to deliver, right? Because he, and you have to sacrifice money to do that, but you pay Pat to move basically this this car past the wharf, and and but thereby denying your opponents the ability to uh, ship any goods. Uh, meanwhile, you're kind of it's kind of weighed against the fact that you're pushing up the value of victory points they will get, but you're buying yourself some more time. So then, hopefully, you you know skew things back in a direction that's more likely to to help you there's also sort of these wild card wood cubes that you can trade in to to take away from one and you know and and in some cases you can deliver cubes ahead of time and just again that that whole dynamic behind how the ship works there's only seven ships in the game and then the game's over so you could potentially i mean just to make the game sound brutally boring right you could go around let's see three times per ship so 21 times <laughs> yeah times uh three six nine like yeah nine or ten so so there could be 210 turns in the game if somehow everybody was playing ridiculously wrong right but that's never been the experience right because um a most of the time the ship's getting filled up or otherwise zeroed out right uh while stuff's still on the two maybe the three and, you know, if you've got some extra money, you can basically buy your way around the entire uh, track on your turn, uh, even in a two-player, and go right to shipping goods again if, if you've really got the money. So money money always seems tight in the game. It always seems to matter. I never felt like I had way too much of it, and it was just easy to do whatever I wanted. And even if you did, you can turn it into victory points. There's a, there's a tile that lets you do that. You know, the, the victory points are close in the game, but not so close to where you feel like any one random die roll was the difference between you winning and losing. So, again, it's pretty simple, 
game to teach, uh, but there's depth in the strategy. As I and, play it and more, and it's fun. Yeah, and it's fun. But as I play it more, where most of these cube pushers, uh, it's, it's like really, you know, red to white to yellow to victory point. You know, I mean, who cares? Uh, especially six plays in, and this one six plays in. Every time I play it, I I, I want to play it again immediately, just because I feel like I I found something extra, like some extra neat thing to try. One thing I didn't mention: you can buy buildings, and this was another thing in the first game or two. I didn't really spend much effort thinking about that but you can you can buy a building so now anyone who uses it you get a victory point every time they do that plus if you land on a certain tile you get the free ability to use that building and so especially the ones where you flip a a die to zero or maybe you trade one color for another you know to, to try to be the first to buy those or otherwise factor that into your strategy then because of that there is a little bit more you know it's it's not as tactical then where it's only what are the dice on the ship this turn, you know, where's my money at now? It's kind of, well, over the course of the game, this will have to factor in because I've got this building or my opponent has that building. Um, so that was kind of neat too. And uh, one thing that kind of is interesting about this game, and I, was, I saw this on the uh, Essen video for it. Uh, did, did you see that, Jeff? Uh, I, I don't know. No. It was uh, for, I think it was the guy from Eggertspiel, uh, mm-hmm. which is, I think, one of the publishers. It was, what, them and Griffin that did this game. And uh, what had happened was the the guy from Eggertspiel knew Michael, what, Reinek, Reinek, Rink? Okay. And he, he knew him, you know, they lived or they worked close to each other. And he basically went to Michael and said, you know, make me a game. And like, you know, a couple months later, he came back with the initial version of this game and boom, they liked it. And, and uh, you know, they, they got it published. So I thought it was kind of interesting where, you know, sometimes you have the, you know, game designer that has the great idea of like, hey, you know, I got this game, then they're trying to find a publisher. Here, a publisher went to a game designer and said, make me something, and they made it, and it's actually a decent yeah, game. and it worked out. You know, and the other thing I would say is, uh, and I'd have to look through the full list, but Griffin Games, you know, there aren't a whole lot. There's some really good games in that line, but they're more of the filler variety, right? Mm-hmm. And while this is, you know, maybe... Filler-ish. It, it, to me, it stands more as, uh, you know, it definitely it's a lighter board game. There's less components. Very, very inexpensive game. I think I paid maybe $23 for it. Right. All amongst the reasons why I why I really like it. I, you know, it, for that price, the fact you can try it online, you can play it online, you can play it in person. Th- this is, you know, exactly the opposite of Prince of Pato for me. I mean, this is, this is one of those cube pushers where if I think forward the three or four years, I'm like, yeah, it's probably still going to be in my collection then. Yes, um, I agree. It definitely will be in mine. So and 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 at the same time, where normally I would I would almost immediately go, okay, because I have Cuba and the expansion and Havana and this one, one of them's got to go. I mean, I just need to sit down and look at those. I actually don't feel like I need to do that here. Yeah, because they're different enough, right? That even, they deserve even to stay. Yeah, maybe maybe in the same way that like Runebound and Descent and Rune Age all share the same art, but it'd be difficult to say that they're in any way even remotely similar games. 
that's sort of how I feel here. So they, they each sort of evaluate it on their own merit, but I don't feel like I have to get rid of one just because I have the other one. Um, and certainly if you have the other two, uh, I'd actually say you're even more prone to like this one then. Um, but even if you didn't like the other ones, this you know, doesn't really share. You know, Maybe it's a little bit more like Havana, but in a way not really. I mean, not in the way that the strategy plays out or where the tense decisions are for me. Right. So, yeah, and, and for having dice, too, that's another one where uh, a lot of them you really get kind of annoyed by what the dice rolled. And here, if that happens, then you've probably not played well. <laughs> right? right? I mean, you know, you have, uh, you know, 12 white cubes still, and, you know, and the white was the one rolled low. That Well, yeah, you, you're not really supposed to do that, right? It kind of rewards diversification and, and sort of all the things that it should, and, uh yeah, I also get it's one of those, you know, I'm looking for the list of playtesters and I don't see any and normally normally that's one of my other pet peeves, right? Cuz I'll you flip to the back of it and, and there's no playtester so you go, yeah, this is just him and his buddy and but you know what? <laughs> if that's the case then uh it's good stuff. Yeah, I I mean maybe maybe it works. Yeah, you know, cuz uh I don't I don't feel like anything was off in this game. The rules um you know were easy enough. Um you know, not a lot of questions if any came up that weren't simple to answer in the rules. Uh I don't feel like it needs expansions. I don't, you know, just any of the normal typical complaints. Obviously, I, yeah, I've sang praises enough about this one, right? But and I'm just I'm really impressed because it had every reason for me kind of not to like it and and yet I, I still do even after as many times as I've played. It's a diamond in the rough. And one thing that I kind of noticed while I was playing the physical copy versus uh, the Yukara is that there was when you were playing you were kind of busy. I mean, you had like a bunch of stuff to do. Like you moved your car and, you know, you get, you know, took some pieces from the supply. And there's actually not a whole lot of pieces. There's what, five different kinds? Yeah, five different goods. And there's... only eight of each. So right. it was a finite supply. So, you know, you're taking your pieces and then you're moving your player piece to the different uh, set of colored cards. And so, I mean, there's a lot of activity. And in Havana, it was kind of the same way where, you know, you're you're playing your cards and you're taking money and and the little cube guys. And so you were kind of busy. It wasn't one of those where you were just sitting around waiting for your turn as right. much. And, and turns go relatively quick. Uh, and, and if it wasn't mentioned before, the other, other nice thing about the game is all of the Cuban tiles, which are the, the tiles you move the the little car between, they're all different each game, the way that they get laid out. They get laid right. out in a different order. And then the action tiles that correspond to the four colors of, of uh, flowers that then link off of those are also sort of randomly laid out in a different order. So you'll have different combinations. So uh, so one game, maybe two of the what's more commonly the better choices will be on the same flower, uh, and that changes the game a bit versus when they're spread out or maybe you know, three that aren't so great are always on, on uh, the white flower, which corresponds to the the action you most like to take or, you know, things like that. So it does change it up game to game, you know, versus a static board or, or, or something like that. So mm-hmm. 
uh, I thought that was kind of neat too. And I've seen that even, uh, you know, even in the, again, the six or seven plays that there's been a lot of variation one, one game to the next. Oh yeah. And I've got to say one thing about this game is that, you know, like we mentioned, there was an online version. The, physical game is definitely a different experience at least it was for me i enjoy the the real game a lot more than online yeah uh the online one i I think feels a little long dragged out because you're you know because it is meant to be sort of played fast yes you, you just move your guy take that first action then choose from the other three uh and kind of waiting for your turn to come back and forth you know, especially when it gets to the wharf where you're just turning in for victory points. And okay, I turn in the the yellow now. Wait to see what he does. He turns in the red. Okay, now I'm turning in my wood cubes. Um, uh, although I still like it online. Oh yeah, definitely. It's where there's a few where uh, like Finca comes to mind, where it kind of annoys me enough online that I don't. Uh, why bother? Right. Yeah. Oh, I'll, yeah. I'll just play it in person. This one though, I, I enjoy. I enjoy, but yes, I agree. The, the physical one's better. The only negative I thought of is is not not fair for me to say because I haven't tried it with its maximum player count. But I want to say that uh, you know it probably would be a little too chaotic for me with more than three. Sure, I uh, think it, I've got a four person game going on right now, and yeah, I should. I'll I'll try it. I like mm, the game enough. It's worth knowing, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to wait a long time between turns if it's the online version. Oh, um, you will. Yes, you will. Yeah, maybe I'll maybe I'll save it for a physical play and I'll try to get the next time I got three or four people together. But I just think it, because there's such tense strategy in the two player around the you know the shipping and bypassing and and you know some of the denial stuff again like penalizing somebody for the zero money and uh, you know flipping that Cuban that they most needed. You know, it seems like that would be a a, a neat thing. Yeah, so uh, I guess the, the last game that's uh, hit the table quite a bit for me recently anyway was uh, Dungeon Run. You know, I've said in previous episodes I'm a big sci-fi fan. Second only to science fiction is probably fantasy, where I'm a, I've, I'm a sucker for fantasy-themed games, even though I, I've tended to not like a whole lot of them, but I'm still drawn to them. <laughs> Uh, you know, used to play a lot of the uh, the gold box AD and D computer games, right? And yep. Ultima, Bard's Tale. I mean, you name it. Back Bard's when, Tale. yeah. Of course, I, I, I role played too. I played uh, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons for a little while, a uh, couple years anyway in in high school. But in any case, Dungeon Run, same guys that made uh, Summoner Wars, Plaid Hat Games. Had to have it, right? Big Summoner's War fan. My wife will actually play Summoner's War with me, so... Wow. Uh, yeah. It's a pretty simple game when you get right down to it. You know, and it's it's not... It's got a lot of cards, but not collectible in a way where you have to build your deck. That takes a lot of time and stuff, so that's why we like it. So Dungeon Run, I was sort of predisposed to be a big fan, right? As a big fan of the company, big fan of uh, Summoner Wars. And right, Wars. I think you can see where I'm going here. Not didn't turn out as good as I had hoped. The first play that we did was okay. I think my wife actually came out of it liking it a little bit more than I did. And then we played it again, and then then I got to play it again elsewhere. And and basically, 
you know, I guess at the end of the day, most of the dungeon crawlers fall into, we'll call it maybe three categories, right? You've got your cooperative ones like Ravenloft now and and those, um, which is really more like Dungeons and Dragons always was, right? I mean, you're all part of the same party, right? You're going to fight in a dungeon. Uh, that's style number one, which this isn't. And then you have style number two, which is more of kind of the same thing, but in board game form, you know, it would be like Descent, where there's that overlord who's sort of playing against you. It's, you know, many versus one sort of thing. Um, and again, this isn't that. And then you have that last one, which is the one that I've I've yet to really find one that works well for me, which is everybody's against everybody else, which uh, typically in, say, a, you know, and can't even think of all of them, but maybe Dungeon Quest comes to mind. Um, you know, usually you're going into the dungeon or you're starting in the dungeon and you're either grabbing the gold and, and trying to get out or um, you otherwise wake up and you're trying to get out. Dracon was another simple one like that. And, and in fact, I'd actually gotten rid of Dracon 3rd Edition, which is a fantasy flight game, thinking I would like Dungeon Run better because uh, that game had a lot of randomness to it and kind of got dull after a half dozen plays or so. So, But, yeah, I mean, ultimately, Dungeon Run, especially as a two-player game, very unsatisfying. Um, if you are going to play the game, definitely play with more. But even with more, you know, there's a, a bunch of luck to it. You know, one person runs and gets the summoner sto- stone, and then the idea is the others have to kind of kill him before he gets away, but it's either too easy to get away or the only real way to catch that person was to hang back in the first place. And that's kind of gamey. And uh, the way you move monsters, which is another thing that worked out awful in a two player game is, you know, like I'll move the monsters one turn and then, and then the opponent will move them on the other one. And so I kind of move them towards, you know, you, and then on your turn you move them towards me. And there's a sort of funky sequence where that happens, but, you know, even worse than that, there's there's some creatures that we have to battle together. Uh, we drew one in one of our games where you had to battle it together, but there was no reason my wife wanted to help me. So I, now I had to just run away or escape, as it's called. And, and that was kind of weird. And then yet if we play together, then it's kind of like together until that one battle and then chase her down. I don't know. It just, it it's, here's what it is, is, the mechanics in the game are actually quite good. The The combat system, I think, is is pretty neat. You know, uh, the card will say that hits are threes and fours. You roll dice, your threes and fours are hits. And then the blocks, if I if I roll threes and fours, that's that blocks your threes and fours, right? And as you as you level up, you draw items, and the items are are fairly neat. And you you pick one of of many. There's some artifacts, and there's some other stuff there, and all of that worked all right escaping even the rules around that worked all right but then the way that they took that combat system and sort of stapled it onto the actual larger game of how you maneuver through the tiles what your ultimate goal is or the the scenario of play that's where the game just really a hundred percent falls apart for me and you know the interesting thing is I'm not the first one, of course, to say that. There's actually been a decent number of reviews along those lines. And the designers have come back and said, well, 
we, most of our playtesting was at conventions, and we sort of let everyone uh, in the game play, and really we had mostly positive feedback. And, well, that's the problem with not doing blind playtesting, right, as we, were, as we were talking about with Santiago de Cuba. Right. right. I mean, sometimes it works out. You get a, this beautiful game like you did with that. But other times you find out that, oh, well, when you're not there to sort of guide players to play exactly like they're supposed to, it doesn't come together. And and that's, you know, add that to my list of pet peeves. You know, I really do have to start tracking these. But uh, I don't like when I feel I have to play a game a certain way. And those, especially, bad enough if I do, because maybe I'll make that sacrifice. But now all everyone else sitting with me that I'm trying to sell the game to, especially that first time, right, and go, oh, this is Dungeon Run. You've got to play it. It's a great game. Now i got to go, well, 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 it's a great game if you'll, play the way you're supposed to play, right? Like, no, you have to come along with me because, you know, that's the only way the game works, right? And then we have to have our fight here and and disagree. And, you know, it it seems too weird uh, and unnatural. It's kind of like you, you want the game to free people to do what they do, but then maybe be penalized, you know, if, if they veer off of that path or there's other mechanics in place to kind of reward and in, in the in the correct directions and you know maybe maybe it is just a game like you know where descent has a little bit of a storyline and a, a scenario to an adventure that without that here it's it's really just the same one each time you know you grab the summoner stone okay you're fighting this random guy of four i think four or five there are in the in the base game you know that's it and and so after a couple plays, I'm really you know why am I playing this? It, you know, there's way way better. Actually, one that's been on the shelf too long uh, that I still own, you know, Ravenloft. I'm like, you know, we were actually having more fun with that. It, um, you know, the, the spell selection, the skill selection, the fact that it is co-op when you're moving. It's AI program movement. It's not this artificial thing where the players shuffle them around. Uh, it just feels better and uh you know that's kind of prompted me i've i've got ex- an expand the first sequel to ravenloft wrath of a shalderon and a shardalon yeah there you go and and uh then the third one supposedly got even better where they've continued to refine the system you know the first one was a little bit bland uh there were some things i didn't like about it but again it still made cuts uh maybe one round of cuts for me so that's what it was for Dungeon Run is, yeah, there'll be a 2.0 version and they'll probably fix it, but I didn't see any particular reason to uh, to wait. But it may, be, it may be if they do the right things, this could be a game I, I go back and pick up. Uh, I doubt it, though, because the fact that it plays 2 so horribly, we'll say, even I think with the fixes, it's going to end up, it's going to be a great game for three or four players. And for me... With at least 50% of my plays being two-player, if I'm going to play a dungeon crawler with three or four, then it's going to be more. It's going to be deeper. It's going to it's going to be more like a descent or a mage knight or something like that, not dungeon run. So yeah, that's dungeon run. Uh, along since we're on the topic of dungeon crawlers, I am kind of excited, and this is sort of strange for me because I, I had gotten rid of descent. A while back, and you own that, right, Rob? Yeah. 
Uh, have you gotten that to the table yet? Or? I have not, no. Yeah, so Descent, I, I, I have fond memories playing that the first, you know, again, X number of times, maybe, maybe, maybe six times or something like that. But then after those first six plays, uh, well, which to be fair was really then I had every expansion and, and the campaign game and it just got really hard to keep track of all the different rules and pieces and it was really a game where they needed to come and make a unified rule book with a really good index and reference. And it, what happened is it became this game that as long as you were playing it routinely every weekend or, you know, even several times a week, it would work and everybody would kind of keep everything straight. But if it got shelved and, you know, you're the kind of person like me that likes to play a lot of different games, it was just so hard to go back to it and make any sense of, of it. Right. And, you know, I remember... You know, setting it up once uh, later into it, you know, maybe after I'd played it a dozen times and, and I spent an hour and a half setting it up. And then my wife was just like, no, forget it. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, I, and I'm, you know, I had all the pieces sorted in Plano boxes. I had, you know, all the, the tricks to try to, you know, set it up fast. But, it, you know, just by the time you pull all the stuff out from all the different expansions and, and uh, figure out what adventure you're playing and, you know, refresh on the, special stuff you know it was just there's you know maybe 2,000 cards or something um it was too much yeah um so but back to the you know the the descent the base game you know uh well and that's why you know road to legend made a lot of these smaller ones where then it was more a little bit more like ad&d you would evolve your character and you could just play uh an adventure And, and so that was the problem so the base game took too long to set up um, but it was simple enough with rules that you could actually play it once you did that. Then Road to Legend, with all the, you know, especially with all the expansions, the, the rules were such a mess, really, to go back to that the idea of, okay, we'll play a couple quick adventures and then, you know, we'll bring that out in two weeks. Two weeks later, you know, I've got ten other games in my head and I'm going, wait, what are, how do we do all this again? And um, So we just never did and you know, then then it's sitting on the shelf a year later or so, and and I'm looking at my three hundred fifty dollar investment, and I had all the pewter miniatures, I had everything, um, so it's probably even more than that. But that said, here's since we're on the little dungeon crawler thing, what I really didn't like about Descent, the thing that maybe broke it beyond any of that, is maybe the fact that even with all the expansion, there was maybe five or six spells in the entire game, and I was always the guy that played the mage, and, and, and only recently, even with online games, I've ever broken out of that role. Uh, I just always liked the spellcasting stuff, right? Okay. Uh, and it was always harder to play, too, which is, so I was always the guy that read the rules, and even in AD&D, and so playing a mage or something, you had to know more of the spells, and or at least in the old versions, you know, fighters were more straightforward. Now, then, you know, they have just as many things in, in a lot of them, but... But in a lot of the games back then, you know, the, the spellcasters were harder to play, uh, and 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 harder, you know, easier to get killed too. So you know, it took a little more experience there. Um, but but in any case, and I played Ascent, and I'm like, where are all these spells? And you know, again, we talked about like the gold box AD and D games where it was very much mattered. You know, you know I'm going to cast my fireball there, and I'm going to line these guys up with a magic missile here, and there just aren't that many spells in the game, and and so that it kind of fell flat there for me. There, there's some randomness in the treasure draws, you know, uh, 
especially if you're not playing with a full complement of characters. It's uh, you know we have no nobody that needs a bow, but we keep drawing bows. You know, <laughs> and so then if you don't get the right stuff and level up quick enough, you're not going to do well and you're going to die a lot. By the same token, if you draw the right stuff, you're going to be almost overpowered and you're just going to sail through everything. And I didn't like that. It didn't feel like the tactical decisions I was making were having enough of an effect. It was more, I got the right stuff or I didn't get the right stuff, and that's why I did well. You know, not that there isn't some tactical stuff to the game. You know, that that's maybe what I like more about it more than, say, a Ravenloft, where you just walk into a room and it doesn't really matter where you are in the room. But I don't think it mattered enough in Descent for all the work that went into it. Uh, and, and the dice... For all the dice that you ended up rolling, especially with the gold and silver ones that came in later, really became more of a math exercise. And you just know, it's okay, I've got five of this and plus two of those, minus one of those, and I've got some surges. I'll convert these surges into this, and that's a plus one, and then those surges into that, which is this, and then okay. And you do all of that work, and you kill the guys, and then the overlord just goes, ah, I'll just spawn them again, and you get to fight them again. Great. Um, and... So then becomes the last complaint, which is the game is based upon whether the overlord is, is a good overlord, right? Just like Advanced Dungeons & Dragons or anything. If, if the person running the game isn't good, you're not going to have, the players are not going to have a good experience. But the problem I have with it is that means me as the one owning all the stuff, I'm going to have to play the overlord, and that wasn't as satisfying as it was to be a DM. Because I ultimately didn't get to do the part that's fun. The part that's fun when you're the dungeon master and role-playing is, is making up the story or making up things as you go along to guide the players back to the story or, you know, just all of that kind of stuff, right? It's, it's, it's not that fun in, in um, Descent because, you know, it's just, oh, okay, well, I'll spawn these creatures and I get to roll for all the monsters. I mean, it's more fun as the players I, I've found. So that's really what it came down to. I'd, I'd rather play as part of somebody else's game, let them do the work of, of knowing all the rules and running the game, but hard to find a good a good overlord. And and that was a long way of saying, however, with some of the tweaks they've done with the version 2 that's coming out now and sort of the reboot of the game, I liked it enough and I've had enough problem with other dungeon crawlers like Dungeon Run that my collection of dungeon crawlers is pretty much thinned down these days to... Well, off the top of my head, not much more than the Ravenloft games and maybe Mage Knight. So, uh, so there's definitely room for another one, and I'm kind of willing to give it another shot and see if they fix the things uh, that I hadn't liked in the past. So I think I'll be picking that one up. Okay, cool. I think that's, uh, that's it for what you've been playing, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's it. So what have you been up to? I forgot. No, no. So uh, recently, haven't played a whole lot. Uh, did play a couple of games of Santiago de Cuba, uh, both online and the physical version. And I'm, you know, like I said a little while ago, I'm finding that uh, it's another game that is a little bit better in person. And uh, you know, I can almost say that with every single game because I just have such an issue with some of these games where you know you're playing somebody that takes one turn a day or one turn every two days, and you don't remember what you were even planning. And I don't like sitting there 
you know, trying to go, well, let's see, what was I doing? Yeah, I agree. But what will cure you of that a little bit, and and I'll I'll hook you up with some because I know some, but I'll sit you down with three other players that are AP prone. And when you you play one of these games and you're realizing that, okay, he's spending 20 minutes, the next person's 20 minutes, and the next person's 20 minutes. And I've used that hour to, to make every possible combination of decisions I would need to make my move no matter what they do because that's how bored I've been. So I make my move in a second, right, or five seconds, and now I wait another hour for the opportunity to do that again. That's when you sort of – I've come with some of these games anyway to realize that, um, yeah, at least when I am playing, it's it's all me, and and my time is just about my move, and they think on their own time. Uh, And they can be as AP-prone as they want to be. I I guess. I I, I definitely see what you're saying there. That brings up a, a funny little story where, so the majority of the games that I play at home, at least at our house, is, is usually with my wife, and she gets really impatient. So <laughs> this is where it's funny. Where you know we'll play like even with Santiago de Cuba, we got to a point of where I, I wasn't quite 100% paying attention to what was going on, and she took her turn, and now. You know, I'm looking at the board again, you know, because usually you plot your move while the other person's doing their move. Yeah, So depending on the game, but that's one where you can uh, quite a bit. Yeah, so, you know, I I go back to the game, and now I'm like, okay, you know, what's going on? You know, where did she go? And she sits there, she starts, like, tapping the table, like, come (laughs) on! (laughs) Sure. It's funny. I mean, it's not like it even took, like, a minute. I mean, this is, like, maybe... 15, 20 seconds and that's, that's why I uh, I pay ninety nine cents for the Jeopardy theme just so uh, yeah. I can play that if somebody really annoys me. I'll get like a soundboard on your phone or something. And just it does a little do yeah do 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 that or uh, I think one of the uh, is it Poseidon's Kingdom or I think they they always put the extra piece in there where you you give it to the player like you're taking too long. Uh, oh, nice! It's a nice little reminder. Mm-hmm. Or, or, or uh, maybe we should just play certain games with chess clocks. And uh, oh. you know, I did go on Board Game Arena the other day because you you'd actually mentioned yeah they had Can't Stop because we were talking about that in one of the previous shows. Yes. And I thought, oh, um, instead of going back and forth on that one, playing it live, let's see if that's any better. And I noticed they have kind of like a chess clock on that, but I never nobody ever really ran out of time, so. Is that, do you lose if you run out of time there? Uh, you know, I, I really don't remember what the rules are with that. I, but I know you get like an extra amount of time every turn, so you get a little bit of save time, but then you get extra time each. You know, I don't know. I'll have to, I'll have to look into it because maybe, maybe it just uh, – well, I know when you start a game, you can control how much time. Right. And maybe if that gets annoying to me, maybe I should just make it like a chess, you know, like speed chess for some of these games and be like, hmm. Fast game only. To, yeah. If people are willing to play that way, you know, if you're a faster player and you don't, you know, hey, how does that play against people who aren't going to spend 30 minutes making their move? But yeah. but I, that's an interesting thing about that side. I haven't really played many games there, but yeah. I, uh, that or uh, maybe uh, make five tokens and, you know, Okay, you can you can think long five times. You can just go. Okay, <laughs> you know, I'll pass this token, and this is my. Uh, and you're done. Yeah, 
maybe you pass me you got the three and you pass them back right if i use all three of mine i gotta go quick until you are slow and then you pass one back that kind of thing uh, of course that only really works if you agree with you know in a small group I'm, if i tried yeah. that in any of my game groups they'd just tell me to leave <laughs> get out of here i think i don't know <laughs> evict but, you yeah, and my and my and my wife just gets her way. So exactly, <laughs> she's always right. Debating it with her, the customer and the wife are always right. Yeah. Anyway, so you know, played some uh, Santiago de Cuba. Uh, not much more really to, to say about that uh, that we haven't said earlier. Uh, I did uh, play some Sobek. Have you ever played that game? It's a game by uh, Bruno Cathala. Uh, a little card game. I want to say no. Okay. Yeah, it's not ringing a bell. It's a it's a nice little game. It's from Game Right, I think. Yeah, Game Right. It's uh, one of those little teeny tiny little box card games, kind of like that uh, Death Angel game. I'm okay. talking about those uh, like the Space Hulk Death Angel game, the really yeah. small like couple inch uh yeah don't games. don't use that one i'm not a fan <laughs> okay <laughs> uh so you mean like uh colossal arena or something like that yeah. uh okay Citadels, or right? uh, uh, know. the jaipur hypor there you go I've, I've still got that one that yeah. that one that one's all right yeah it's so it's it's same form factors that it's got a little board in there that you unfold it's like three pieces so it's really long and uh this was you said you've got uh, Jaipur, right? Yeah. This was another game very similar to that. Where and here we go talking about inserts. The insert is fantastic. Mm. I mean, it is really nice. It's got little like scaraby well artwork it, it, in it. It is a little uh, okay. I see what you're saying. I was gonna say it, it's. With smaller games, it's pretty easy to make a good yeah. insert. But, oh yeah, I mean, but you mean even like thematically, it's a good insert. Like they've got some. Um, yeah, I mean everything fits nice. Uh, everything holds like the. There's these little, um, like player four player pieces for one each color, mm-hmm. and there's like a little spot where each one of them fits in there instead of you know throw them all in a little baggy, and just have it rattling around in the box. So, I mean, everything fits really nice. I was really impressed with it. And they did a similar job with Jaipur. So uh, I was very pleased with the insert. And like I said in earlier shows, I'm, I'm very, very particular about component quality and inserts and all that. So uh, basically the gist of the game is there's a, uh, a board, which is essentially a scoring track. Uh, you have your little wooden piece which you throw a little sticker on so it looks like a little guy and uh you know everybody starts off at one side and the whole premise of the game is really uh matching up different goods cards so there's like these rocks there's um um these little grassy things <laughs> great descriptions huh uh there's these little grass things uh grassy, grassy things sure. cows and so I know what those look like. Yes, I'd, I'd hope so. So uh, basically what you do is you collect cards from this track and you group them and you place them down uh, 
in groups of three or more, and you can build up upon them. And uh, you play through a couple rounds. And the the game was uh, it's it's an interesting game. It's it's fun. It's nothing too crazy. I think I, I don't know if I mentioned it already. It's made by Bruno Cathala, which he makes some pretty decent games. Oh, and this also happens to be on Yukata, uh, also. Okay. And, um, and, and that was interesting because I, I have played. Uh, I, I tried that on Yukata uh, for the first time this past week, and I just got whooped. Oh my gosh! I mean, it was just it, oh, it was brutal. So you know, I thought I'd do decent in the game, but uh, I got schooled big time. But uh, the the game is, is is pretty fun. You know, it's it's a light game. You know, it's something you can do in about half an hour. And uh, it's it's a good time. Other than that, then uh, the game that I'm probably going to be rattling off every week, Ascension Storm of Souls. <laughs> uh, played that again a couple times. And I do want to mention that I haven't brought the original game, which uh, I've actually got mixed in with the uh, the first expansion. The name escapes me right now. But uh, that hasn't hit the table since uh, Storm of Souls came out back in December. Return of the Fallen. Right? Yeah, Return of the Fallen. That's right. Yeah, I've got I've got mine mixed, and I have not yet picked up the new one. And if you keep talking about it, I'm, you're going to cost me money, and I'm going to have to. Yeah, that's it. right. <laughs> yeah, you know, drop that twenty five thirty bucks down. Definitely get it. And 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 so and unlike everyone else, you're actually playing the physical version then, since it's not yet on. Uh, well, you don't you don't have the iPad version anyway. Yeah, you know I don't think those. I, I don't have iPad or iPhone. No, yeah. none of those. And I, I did find an online, not an online, a, a PC version that somebody had done of the original game. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I mean, it's just not fun. I mean, it's it's another yeah, game where. Cause, cause, well, I mean, a lot of people have literally played it a thousand times now, yeah. and so they go, well, I don't know. if if I really want to play the physical one. Um, yeah, I mean, it, the game just, it's one of those games that can easily just get burned up too fast. I mean, sure. as when I was playing the computer version, I had the, there's like uh, hot keys or you know, keyboard keys that you can hit so you don't even have to click with the mouse. <laughs> and it, I mean, it was literally like, you know, just click, 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 yeah. click. You know, it's kind of like the little lady... Yeah, I was going to say, it's like you're, you're grinding in one of the online games or something. Yeah, so I mean... You're doing yeah. it by by uh, inst- instinct rather than even um, exactly. having any fun. Exactly. It's just going through the motions. I was going to say, it's like the little lady at the casino. Oh, the yeah, slot yeah. Machine yeah, well, there you go. Right, hitting but the buttons. Just... And with Storm of Souls, I'd recommend, if you pick it up, which I do recommend you do, I don't know about mixing it in with the other ones. I, yeah, I, I think I won't. Uh, I think Keep I'll, it separate. I'll all your advice and plus that was well quite frankly whatever i've got yeah i've got them stored in the original box where you got the sleeves and no more fit in that box so right there i can't right. mix it in so. did you <laughs> ever wind up getting the that little additional box with the sleeves yeah that's what i'm talking about i have oh. the additional box yeah. with the sleeves and then i bought extra sleeves and my base game and the expansion fit into that Right. But there's no, I mean, it's really tight. There's yeah. no room for anything else. So, like I said, I, unless I'm going to buy another one of those or some some other way to store it, I think uh, it's just another good reason. Uh, plus, plus I, that way, uh, 
you know, I kind of have that problem with uh, other games too. Even Race for the Galaxy, people, you know, buying another base copy to mix in with this new expansion mm-hmm. so they can keep the other copy they have mixed in with the other ones just because it's so much trouble to sort them out. Oh, yeah. But that might be one argument for the online play because on the iP- iPad version, we can go, hey, I want to mix the base two together or no, I want to play one or the other by itself and it's it's no extra work. Yeah. But, it, you know, if it if it plays well by itself... You and know, it does, it does. Why why mix it and, and uh, you know, I, I guess... If you did mix it at some point just to try one or two, then, you know, you pull it back out and at that point. Because yeah, I think that cool. if you mix it with the other, with the first two, or either one of them, it'll dilute it too much. Because there's some mechanics in it, like trophies and um, there's these event cards and so forth. You know. If, yeah, and that sort of happened with Thunderstone a bit, where some of the expansions had cards that played off of one another, I guess Dominion is somewhat true yes. sometimes, right? And so then you mix all of them together and do that random card draw, and it's just never as satisfying as it could be if, if you've got some of the ones that are really meant to work together. Mm-hmm. And, and that was that's back to the, you know, some games to me aren't worth that effort, you know, and perhaps some are, but I prefer a game that has something built into it that doesn't force you to have to do that. Oh, yeah. And, you know, Ascension, what's neat about them is if, yeah, they're almost little standalone games, so you don't you don't have to combine them with anything. You don't even have to buy other ones. And Return of the Fallen by itself was pretty harsh. I did not like that at all. That one really needs to be mixed with the first one. So, yeah, first one by itself is, uh, this yeah. is good. It's funny that you say that because that's exactly what we found even on the iPad because we could so easily play it by itself after we yeah. did that a couple times mm-hmm. we're like no that's not good so now we only play with it even on the iPad mixed right. as well as the physical version we keep all of those mixed which yep. is why I'm kind of excited now as you talk about this third one and saying keep it separate because we've really n- never had as much fun doing that other than the first you know play or two when we were just right. learning the cards and I did get the sleeves for it I did not get that little add-on box. So I just got the sleeves for it, and I sleeved all the cards, and as is the case with most games, it does. the cards don't fit in the original box very well. You'll bend the corners of the sleeves. So i got to figure out something to do. I don't know if I'll... Uh, there's box Plano boxes you can get. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's Plano boxes for cards that you can get. Yeah. And I I've suppose. got three different sizes, so... <laughs> sure, bring him on over. Well, yeah. Are you offering? <laughs> I've got I I uh, I frequently um, visit Plano, Illinois, which is just down the street from me, not oh, all yeah. that far. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm uh, a Plano fan by proximity. There you go. So, yeah, I mean, uh, as far as games, those are probably the most uh, or the ones that I'd really want to mention. The rest of the stuff is inconsequential. Sure. So that's all I got for this week. Okay. Well, we've got a few other discussion topics we can go through. Let's do it. One thing, uh, just talk about a couple things I noticed online that were interesting to me. There, I guess, uh, you know, and, and it's funny because I, I wa- I've watched a couple of these shows when I was out of town, but uh, Zev of, of Z-Man fame, or... Uh, I almost want to say X Z Man because yeah he's still kind of running the show a little bit but 
you kind of wonder now exactly how much or how how little, but officially anyway, he's still the guy driving it, uh, even though it's bought out, of course, by uh, Philosophia. But in any case, he showed up on TV on on cable. Really? Uh, on uh, on yeah, on a show. Oh, so you didn't have didn't hear about this? <laughs> Shipping I, wars. Yeah. No, no, I didn't hear about this. I yeah, so it, I know he was on on a on a YouTube video. Well, that's probably was from this from Shipping Wars, uh, an episode called Pain in the Caboose. Okay. And, yeah. And so what the show is is. And, and I've seen it in the past, but it's it's basically uh, well, or there's also been variations of it, like any of the other ones, you know, hoarders or hoarders is a good one. But uh, <laughs> in any case, uh, shipping wars is one where they compete. They they ship odd things, and you know how do how how does you know how do they go about doing it? Well, uh, what Zev had purchased is a classic 1955 Ford Thunderbird. Okay. And uh, Zev's verified the story, so it's not, you know, it's a, it's a fairly unique name, and anybody who's seen him, you know, I mean, if you go to Gen Con, he's literally the guy that hands you your bag. So it's not really a hard guy to recognize, uh, you know, that combined with the name. But yeah, he went on, uh, I think, right away on Board Game Geek and said, yeah, yeah, that was me, and talked about some of the things they they said on on the show that weren't necess- wasn't necessarily true but it, it, you know he's spending a little bit of the money anyway but but actually the, re- the whole reason that, that I wanted to mention that even wasn't even as neat as that is but actually that he also popped up in a an auction that I was watching and bid on a game of uh, Star Wars Queen Gambit which he bid like 150 bucks I just thought that was cool I think that's neat um, I love when you know, uh, designers and publishers really get into other publishers and ob- other designers' games. Right? They're people too. Well, yeah, but you know, you get a, a couple of them. A couple of them. I'm not going to name names, but there's some that they either only play their own games or they really don't play any games, right? I, they just I work on my next game. Oh, you mean like do. some doctors? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. And you know. So I think that's cool, you know. Yeah, you know, he's always wanted that game. I've always it's still on my wish list. Um, I know a couple people with it. We just haven't gotten to playing it. So I saw it in the store back when, and I always meant to uh, to grab it, but never did. But yeah, another another little thing that uh, popped up that I thought was cool is uh, we were talking about Ascension, and uh, on their website on the Gary Games site. They yep. had a little uh, news article. They had they had had their artist make a, a card that helped uh, somebody propose to their girlfriend, right? So he he slipped it into the deck they were playing. She draws this card. They had the video and everything up there on the site. And you know it was you know I forget the details, but basically a you know hey will you marry me card uh, with them in the in the art and everything, which. Uh, you know, is neat, but I kind of wonder. I don't. Did you ever hear the? Uh, I think it was Cool Stuff story. With no. The, uh, so, so the, if you go if you go to Cool Stuff Inc., there's always this thing when you order where it says if there's anything special you want or any you know comments for us, oh, yeah. write it in here. And somebody put in, you know, I'd really like a, I forget what it is now, but a, a dinosaur fighting a spaceship or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On my box. Did you hear about that? 
Yeah, I saw and, that uh, picture of it. Yeah, and and so one of the guys in shipping actually like drew it on the box or something, and it's like, and and uh, I I just wonder what the how much they regret that now, right? Like, you know, there's got to be people that like put something in every single one now going, I'd really like, you know, my little pony drawn on the box. And now they've got to disappoint everyone. So that, that was really my comment here with Gary games is I wonder now that they did that, you know, they're just going to be inundated with all these, well, could you do one with, you know, I really want, you know, to play this joke on my buddy. And yeah, I, I assume they didn't get any money to do it or anything. Right. That's just, it's you know, like, good publicity, though. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Maybe they'll do some more. I guess you can get a version of this card in as a promo somehow, but but the original one will be priceless, and you know they'll want to keep it. But you know, I bet you in ten years, so if it's really one of a kind, I wonder that doesn't show up on eBay somewhere, and that you know. If, so if you're really that, I've got to have every last thing, <laughs> right? Uh, you know, they should they should make uh, let's say like three cards as part of a promo set. So ask, asking asking uh, to marry, then asking out on a date, and then an asking for divorce. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And they just have a little write-in so you can put in the person's name or something. Yeah, thought that was that was neat. Oh yeah, definitely. It's a uh, it's an interesting use of a of a great game. And then uh, you know the other the other thing I noticed uh, out there, and this I actually noticed in a video. It was an interview. You know, it might. Yeah, it was, was it at Nuremberg. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, with the Friedman Freeze thing. Yeah. And uh, he was talking about this new game, uh, and we again in a previous episode. That's what triggered the thought. I hadn't known there was a second Friday game. Well, apparently he's working on a third Friday game. Okay. Except this one borrows from the top ten mechanics. Uh, that he, he actually said, I went to Board Game Geek, I looked at the top ten games, and I tried to borrow something from every game. And I thought that was that was kind of a neat admission, right? Because you're, you're, you're like one of his biggest fans, right? Yep. And, you know, if I think any random person were to going <laughs> to make a game, right, wouldn't they go to Board Game Geek and look at the top, I mean, a smart one anyway, look at the top ten games and go, hmm, what could I combine, you know, what could I borrow, what could I improve on? Seems almost too obvious. Yeah, uh, that doesn't mean anybody's going to do a good job at that, right? Oh yeah, because that's actually probably going to turn out a bad game if you weren't a, a, a you know a skilled designer because everybody playing it is going to go, yeah, it feels just like a bad Agricola, and, and oh yeah, just like a bad Puerto Rico combined with Dominion. Um, but maybe he can pull it off. And so you know, some of the ones he admitted to uh, through the ages, you know, there's a uh, a track like that, Agricola. There's places where you play on the on the board, like the central board in Agricola. Uh, there's some deck building with Dominion, which uh, is really interesting. I think uh, to see people putting deck building into a game, but not as the main mechanic, right. or say as the only mechanic. Uh, say a little bit, maybe more like Mage Knight or uh, a few acres of snow did. Uh, but at the same time, it's got Seven Wonders drafting even though it's a deck builder. So that's kind of neat. That'll be interesting to pull off. And then he's got the little markers, like in Puerto Rico, where you put the, uh, well, I guess debatably you would call them slaves, but, uh, you know, to, to, to work the fields and work the buildings and stuff. So 
I don't think he even knew what exactly it was going to be called, you know, Friday something, but that was just kind of a, a neat thing I saw. I was like, hmm, you know. Or TGIF. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, that would be that would work, right? But it, that's like one of those games I think, you know, fortunately for him, everybody's going to have to get this or want to play this, right? Because you just, by nature of all of those comparisons, you go like, I just, you know, if you like any one of those games, you're, you're going to be, hmm. I, I don't know how many designers that are no, noted designers have actually gone out and, and sort of admitted to this, right? That it's sort of oh, yeah. stolen or, uh, you know, borrowed these mechanics from all these top games and i'm not making any you know, i'm not trying to pretend i'm not i'm not changing things you know thunderstone's got six cards instead of dominion's five and you kind of wonder did playtesting really show that they needed six or was it just six to be different than dominion right right uh, you know I, it's hard to convince me that it wasn't just to be different right so mm-hmm. Is all of this just different to be different, or does he actually produce a game that maybe surpasses all of these just by having the best parts of them all together? And you know, um, so I'm kind of excited about that. Not nearly as big of a fan of his as you are, but um, this will definitely be a game I, I pre-order. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely got some unique games, and uh, you know, I, I really like quite a few of them, and. You know, I, I did see that video where he did talk about this game, and he was actually demoing it. It was very, yeah, very yeah, early like a prototype. Copy with with a marker. <laughs> it was just drawn, hand drawn type of thing. Mm-hmm. And if you've ever watched any of the videos that he does, you know, other than this one, I mean, he is very animated, <laughs> to put it Colorful. nicely. Yes, I mean, he's like. You know, I mean, very chatty, fast talk, and always moving, and and uh, I like him. He's the kind of guy you just have to like, like the exactly, like the um, like the Fragger Games guys. Uh, yeah, exactly. Scottish guys, there, they're just fun guys, right? You just yeah, can't like you fun. can't help but be like drawn into his enthusiasm and his energy behind stuff. Exactly, and and I just love how he explains his games, and you know the fact that. He, I mean, it does not surprise me at all that he admitted, it's like, yeah, I took these. I, you know, yeah, I, big deal. I, I took all of all <laughs> right. of this. And you know what? If you have a game with a good idea, I'm going to take that one too. <laughs> no, he didn't say that. <laughs> yeah. Well, but, well the, now the, the question will be, will he put something in the rule book, though, that says, you know, thanks to these people for the inspiration or, right? I mean, I, I don't know. I I I know there there probably is good reason not to for legal reasons or whatever it just right. crosses a line that's not worth it but on sort of the moral ground I think it's always neat when I see stuff like that where uh, whatever your source of inspiration was where you sort of borrowed from that you go hey you know oh, yeah. I really uh you know even even books I've seen I have seen novels do that the the one of the movies I talked about in the last episode, The um, Old Man's War, um, he admitted right in the foreword, you know, I, I borrowed a lot of this from Heinlein. I was, I'm a big fan. Um, Starship Troopers was one of my favorite books. You know, this is very much in the spirit of that. Obviously, he's created his own own work because it got nominated and all of that, and it's being made a movie. But, you know, why not admit to it rather than everybody, you know, reading it and going or playing it and going, yeah, this is... All he did was borrow all of this. So. Yep. 
and one thing that was interesting too, another another thing that was interesting about this uh, video that he did was just like what he does when he like builds these games. You know, there's like no theme; it's just squares. And yeah, he puts it in later. Well, it's just. I mean, I, I, I I'm not a. The definition of Euro, I think, though, is a Euro game starts generally starts with the mechanics right. and adds the theme later. So it, it can only inevitably be pasted on. It might be, you know, you might then circle back around and add some more stuff to help the, the depth of the theme. But it usually starts with mechanics right. versus, you know, the war game world would be the other maybe extreme where you're always starting with the theme and then working in. From there, and maybe a Meritrash again is, is closer to where yeah. you've got this setting or theme, and then you're developing mechanics from there. Because yeah, he had that game Friday, the solo play uh, card game. I don't know if you've ever had a chance to try it out yet. No, but when he no, was, yeah, you, you talked about that one in one of the episodes. Yeah, when he was originally designing that, he had. Some PDFs released on BGG, and I had printed them out. And all it basically was was you had a number of squares, like little. Uh, I was going to say mm-hmm. cubes, but I guess squares is more applicable. There was a bunch of squares, and it all had certain values on them, and and you could actually play the full game. And I, I bet those PDFs are probably still up there. So you can actually enjoy the mechanics of the game without any of the art and, right. you know, get, uh, you know, the, the full play value of it. Although the art does add quite a bit and uh, there are some changes from the last version, by the way. So the, the, the final release game isn't a hundred percent like his yeah, uh, last and, release. I mean, generally I appreciate the, the added art and, and thematics. So. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So I, I just thought that was kind of neat that he actually released the playtest versions of, of Friday. And yeah. uh, although I haven't uh, played it uh, ever since I got the original or the, the final release game, I have uh, the, like, I'll call it print-and-play. I have the print-and-play version that I carry with me in my bag all the time. Oh, so one of these days I might actually play it at lunch mm-hmm. or something. If I ever have the time, sure. But uh, yeah, so that that was neat just to see how he mocks everything up, and then uh, it'll be interesting to see what that game actually turns out to be, where it's a little bit of everything. Excellent. So That's all, all I've got. Yeah, and I believe uh, that wraps up uh, what episode number three. Yep. All right, excellent. So you want to take it out? Sure. Okay, well, uh, just to remind everyone, you can go to our website at www.thisboardgamelife.com. Uh, three W's, who's counting, though? Did I say three W's this time? <laughs> no, I hope I did. Too. Again? At least that's what it sounds like. <laughs> if you don't know that there's three W's, you shouldn't be on the internet. <laughs> You're probably not listening to this. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Email us at contact at... And that's the the little A with the little squiggle around it for the people that didn't know there was three W's. Yeah. Contact at thisboardgamelife.com. Call our voicemail, 
TBGL for this board game life, uh, which is also 754-444-8245. And then don't forget, we've set up a BGG guild. So uh, check us out there. Please join the guild. And uh, through any of those methods, send us comments on the show, your uh, thoughts about a game you've played recently, um, your rant on a board game-related topic, or you know, winning lottery numbers would be nice too. So, oh yes, that's it. Um, Before they're winning, this. yeah, not after. Yes, good point. <laughs> <laughs> See, details matter. Exactly. <laughs> thanks for listening, and uh, this is Jeff, and this is Rob. Catch y'all later. Thank you.